sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, good morning to all of you this morning. We didn't break that thing. It's good to be with you all today. It's good to see all you visitors as well. This is not my home congregation, but again, welcome to all of you. It's a blessing to be gathered with those of like precious faith. I think we don't estimate the value that we have together in a free country with fellow believers who are on this journey to eternal life. Praise God for this opportunity again this morning. I enjoyed the wedding yesterday. It was a blessing to see two lives joined together in one. It's incredible. So yeah, I hope what I shared this morning is an encouragement to you. I love and appreciate all of you out here. And um, I feel like God laid a burden on my heart. Earl called me last night and asked if I'd share a, a little opening meditation this morning, and I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for it. We were over at Michael's last night and visiting with him and such. But as I was meditating throughout the evening and this morning, I felt God laid a burden on my heart, and um, I think it's something we all can grow in, and um, I want God to speak to all of our hearts this morning, even my own heart, as we meditate upon His will for our lives and His desire for His church, whatever group you're with, whatever body that you belong to. We all have a very important place to feel in our churches, and I want to encourage us in that this morning. Before we begin, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have together in this way with those of like precious faith. Thank you, Lord, for each soul here. Lord, I pray you just minister to your body here this morning, through your word, through the Holy Spirit, through everything that's said here this morning. I pray we catch a fresh vision for your church, Father the body of believers that we're part of, Father, and that you can help us to see the vital role that we play, each one of us, Lord. I pray, God, that uh, this discouragement, Lord, would be dealt with. I pray that we could find courage for the trials we face. Lord, I pray we could learn how to walk in humility one with another. I pray that we could learn how to make relationships work. I pray that we could help make the body of Christ, the city that is set on a hill, that the world could see, and it be a reflection of your glory here on the earth. Bless each one this morning. Give me inspiration and utterance as I share your word today. Thank you, Father. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would someone mind get me a glass of water? <clears throat> Thank you. Let's turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We'll kind of have this as our main text, and then we'll look at other scriptures as well. <clears throat> so this morning I share with you in all humility, I feel like I'm learning these things too. I'm learning how to walk in love and unity um, in my home congregation, to have a genuine care for uh, my fellow believers, and to help build up the body of Christ. And I, I just keep getting a fresh vision of that. And I think if we all would catch that vision and do our part in the body of Christ, it would make a tremendous difference. And I hope all of you, young people, old people alike, every one of you, could catch a vision here this morning for that. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, we'll just start here in the first verse. 
If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Then he goes on to talk about obedience and such. But so we see here what Christ has done for us. We see his expression of humility, ultimate humility, and coming from the glories of heaven down to earth, and becoming a servant, and not only that, but becoming obedient even to death. And then even the cruel death of the cross. A tremendous expression of love and care. So we'll jump back here in verse 1. It says here in verse 1, If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ. And we know that's true. We know there has been consolation in Christ. We've experienced it personally. We know what it is to experience His mercy and love in our lives. To find our sins forgiven and a peace that envelops our heart. We experience that. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, all those things have been our personal experience if we have been born again by the Spirit of God. That has been our personal experience. So if that has been your experience, then fulfill Paul's joy, but ultimately fulfill Christ's joy that you be like-minded. Like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. So this morning, I want to just be free and practical. I just want to talk to us as a family. You know, we're all in this together. Church life is not always a pleasant experience. There's relationships that when they work well, they're beautiful. They bring such peace and happiness and joy in our lives. But when they don't work well, they can be super painful. And you know, it's no, it's no, um, we have no doubt that Satan is out to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. He's out to destroy families. He's out to destroy the church. And we should not be ignorant of his devices. And if he's trying to do that, we need to be aware of the rifts and the divisions that can come among us. And how the brother can come against brother. And there can be misunderstandings that can happen. And little offenses that occur. And it separates a brother one from another. And next thing we know, rather than being Christ's example of love on the earth and care one for another, works an example of division and backbiting and strife and gossip and all those things. And Christ's glory is at stake. His church is at stake. And we're not fulfilling the purpose for which He has us here on earth for. Paul says, Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded. That's a challenge. How do we become like-minded? There's so many times we find our brother thinking differently than we do. He has a different perspective than we have. And how do we have the same like-mindedness as he is to have? Paul said there in Corinthians that uh, they were supposed to have the same mind, be the same judgment, and just be, be together, essentially, in everything. And like, how do we do that? 
How do we really do that when our brother doesn't see the things we do? And I think this morning as I share, I want us to see, begin to get a glimpse of the need for humility in our lives, brothers and sisters. Humility is so important in relationships. It's so important in church life. If we don't have humility, it will not work. We need to be broken and contrite. It says in Proverbs that um, only by stri- pride cometh contention. Only by pride cometh contention. So this morning, if we're here this morning, we're experiencing contention and strife in our hearts with a brother, or we don't feel unified, there's, there's, a, there's somewhere in our hearts pride that's there. There's pride that is there in our hearts, and it's hindering us. And if we all had humility in our lives, it would bring us together. It would bring us together in a beautiful way. Something else I want to talk about here is self-centeredness. You know, I think oftentimes... Selfishness is a big problem in our lives. You know, it can happen in marriage. It can happen in family relationships where we're thinking too much about ourselves and what we want, you know. And it comes out in so many subtle ways. And I think sometimes we're ignorant. We're oblivious to the fact that we might be selfish in our hearts and it's causing relationship problems. Just think about it. I mean, any kind of relationship. If I'm having a problem with my wife and we're not getting along, oftentimes there's a root. Well, pride oftentimes is there. But there's often selfishness that is at the seed of, that, of the problem that's in my heart. Self-centeredness. You know, people that are so self-centered ultimately find themselves in depression and just a terrible condition, terrible condition. It's all about me. How can I be happy? You know, how can I look just the way that I, you know, I want to look so people kind of set me as I am, you know, and how can I make people like me more? You know, it's all about that. But, you know, people that go out and are looking to serve and bless and affirm others, I'm telling you, those are the people that find joy and purpose and fulfillment in their lives. You know, I was at the conference just this past week, and, you know, I noticed a young man that had... He walked very funny. And, um, and uh, those kind of people I take special interest in because, you know, unfortunately, oftentimes those people feel lonely. They feel like they're weird. They never measure up. They can never work and play and maybe never get married because of the way they are. Those people would have reason to be very discouraged about life, very sad, introverted. You know, I talked to this man. I was very impressed at how joyful he was. And how he found fulfillment in serving God. And he told me, he told me that in his younger years, people made fun of him in his Amish background in the church, in school. These people made fun of him. And, uh, but he learned to forgive those people. And I blessed that young man. I said, God bless you, young man, that you have not found yourself in a rut of bitterness and resentment toward other people, but you've forgiven those people that spoke evil of you and made fun of the way you walk. He walked real funny. as he. And uh, I just blessed him. I said, God's got a purpose for your life. And I'm just so excited to see that God has transformed your life and you're not bitter and you're going with God and you're blessing other people and encouraging people. That's tremendous. Keep it up. And God has got a tremendous calling in your life. And I think that's what we need to do. I'm not trying to brag on myself, but we need to look for opportunities to bless the good and encourage those that are doing right and just affirm the good that's there and not thinking about our own selves, you know. And that's what he did. He wasn't just thinking about himself and how, oh, my life is so bad, I can never exceed in anything. But rather, he just put those things behind him. And even though he can't do things that you and I can do, yet he's going to serve God and be a blessing to those around him. And I'm telling you, that that's what I'm talking about, the unselfish nature that we need to have. And that's what Jesus had. We see it here expressed all throughout these verses here in Philippians. Um, he was always thinking of other people and how he can bless and encourage the good that's in them. We need to have that same kind of heart in our lives. And we will build the church of Jesus Christ. You know, I want to tell you young people here that we all have an important part to play in church life. I'm telling you, young people have a tremendous part to play. God bless you for those of you that are in a good example in this. But, you know, you're the, you're the generation of the church of tomorrow. 
And if you catch a vision for the church and you come behind your ministers and your brothers and support the decisions that are made, it makes a tremendous difference. It encourages your ministry. It encourages the older brothers that are endeavoring to chart a course in church life. You need to be that, and you make a tremendous difference. Bless your ministry for where they lead out and the messages they preach and how they break the Word of God. The Bible talks about giving double honor to those who labor in the Word and in doctrine. And if you do that, young people, God will bless you. And you encourage your church, and you will contribute a very vital part in church life and your church experiences. So I just really encourage you that. So back to humility. Humility in relationships, brothers. Jesus talked about how offenses will come. They happen. I have been offended in church life. There has been times that, you know, what it is, this is how it works. Okay, so you have your brother in church, and you think, okay, your brother in church, he'll never say anything to you that will offend you, because after all, he loves me, right? And he, he really wants my good. But then all of a sudden, one day, whether it's in a brother's meeting or just in conversation, you, you hear your brother say something that you never thought he would say to you. And you're like, wait a minute. You don't say it to him. Rather than talking to him and going to him and making that, talking to him and hearing him out a little bit, like saying, what did you really mean by that? You put up a wall and you're offended and you're, you start despising your brother. Ugh, I can't stand him. And then there's a wall that separates you. And now you're not able to even speak into each other's lives. You're not even able to affirm the good that is in that brother's life. Think about it. It happens, doesn't it? <clears throat> That's where humility comes in. It takes humility to come back and just talk and say, you know what, did, did I understand you right there? I, I kind of was hurt by that comment you made, the attitude that you expressed. I was kind of hurt by that. Can we talk about it and make that right? And you just communicate. Just talk about it. We need to do that. But it's the pride in our heart that keeps us from doing that sometimes. It's the pride in our heart that keeps us from opening ourselves up and making ourselves vulnerable. We don't want to do it. We'd rather build a wall and separate ourselves. And then relationships begin to break down. And then we're not able to exhort each other daily while it's called today, lest any be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And we start backing off and everybody's kind of aloof from each other. Okay, I don't want to talk to him because I, you know, he's been hurt by me and I know that he, he's misunderstood me. And I just don't want to get too close to him. I don't want to get hurt again by him. And we just start separating, separating. And now we're not exhorting each other. And now everybody's like super thin-skinned. Like their skin is so thin. I mean, like, anytime I make a little comment, like, oh, wow, he's offended by that. You know, we can't even talk to each other because we're just so thin-skinned. Where is that love that covers a multitude of sins that, Jesus, that talks about in the Bible? Where's that love that, you know, I know my brother's heart. He didn't mean it that way. I know he sincerely wanted to follow God. I'll forgive him. I don't hold it against him. I release him. Oh, forgiveness is so important in relation. Jesus said, offenses will come, but woe to that man by whom they come. But Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness. And I tell you, we have to practice forgiveness in church life. We have to. We've got to choose to forgive. There will be a time when you will be hurt by a comment or someone. I mean, as a young people, person, you might feel you're excluded from a certain group and you feel like you're left out and you don't feel valued. And you long for that acceptance and that identity with your friends, and you feel hurt by certain things that are said, or comments, or just how you're not invited to certain events, and you feel, um, you feel hurt by that. We have to choose to forgive. We have to choose to extend grace, and let the mind that Jesus had be in us. Let's look at verse 3. <clears throat> let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Brothers and sisters, too often, too often, I think we do things to strive for vainglory. We're trying to put ourselves up and put others down. That is not the love of Jesus. 
That is not the humility we see expressed in his life. He was always going about doing good and building others up and walking in humility. And that is what we need to do too. You know, I think it's important to see that we're all comrades in arms, so to speak. We're all engaged with a common enemy. There's an enemy for our soul, against our souls who wants to kill and destroy. And I'm sad to say that many people are losing their way in our generation. You look at Bible schools. I look back in my early Bible school years, and a lot of the young people that I associated with back then, they're no longer on the straight and narrow way. They're no longer following God. And I'm telling you, there's some here, I'm sad to say, that might lose your way too. And that should grieve all of our hearts. We should have a genuine care in our heart for our brother that we're not willing, just like Jesus is not willing, any would perish, but all would come to his kingdom. All would come to repentance. All would make it to eternal life. And we're in this battle for our souls, brothers and sisters. We have a common enemy. And God forbid that we would be fighting among ourselves and we have an enemy that's shooting at us at all times. Think of yourselves over there in Ukraine right now. If you're in the trenches and you're trying to defend your country from the, uh, the Russians that are trying to invade and take over, and you're here in the trenches and you're fighting with your comrades, and you have a different machine gun than your partner has, and you're fussing and griping about how crazy his machine gun is and mine is superior to yours and you know what's wrong with you get, get a gun like I have in the meantime the enemy's just shooting at us full blast and here we are fighting among ourselves but we're not warding off the enemy of our souls and our comrades are falling left and right and there's division and strife among us and the church of Jesus Christ is falling apart in front of our own eyes and we just throw our hands up and say I guess it's just going to happen I guess it's going to happen there's nothing we can do to stop it. I mean, we try, we try. But what if we all caught a vision? God help us. What if we all caught a vision for the church and we all rose up, rise up, a man of God, have done with lesser things, give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings? What if we would be done with lesser things and the little trivial things that separate us and catch a vision for God's kingdom and give ourselves wholly for that? I think we have, we have no idea sometimes of the damages that happen among us and the hurts, offenses. Brothers that are turned out of the way, they leave the church and they go out in the world. And we're just like, well, I guess it just happens. What are we doing to help reconcile our brother to God, our sister to God? What are we doing? As a believer, we all have a very vital part to play in church life. I'm still learning these things. Don't think that I have attained to this. I, I speak to you in all humility, and I see my need in this, and I'm growing. But as time goes on, I, I get more of a fresh burden for supporting the church of Jesus Christ. To build up the church of God. To build up the church of God. It's Christ's bride. And we want her to be without spot and blemish on that day. And we want to help make her to be such. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's a high calling. You know, it's so easy for us to think that I've, you know, I'm a little better than my brother, and I, I think I understand truth a little better, and my family's t- turning out a little better than this other brother, and you know, I think I, I got it figured out a little. No, esteem other better than yourself. That's a high calling. Can we do that? Are we att- even attempting to do that? God help us that we would attempt to esteem our brother better than ourselves. But look at the next verse. <clears throat> look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. This right here is a beautiful verse, brothers and sisters. It's a tremendous verse. Think about it. And not only think about it, put it to practice in your life. I'll tell you, I, you know, sometimes I feel like my life lacks a little purpose. You know, I'm busy with this, I'm busy with that, and, 
and I uh, got my work to do and family to take care of, and I found myself maybe a little purposeless in life. But then I started thinking about some of these things that God has called us to do, to not look at our own things, but look at the things of others. And then you start serving a little bit in the community, among your church family. And all of a sudden, you find yourself fulfilled like you never were fulfilled before. <laughs> I can't even say the word. And you find yourself finding joy and purpose in life like you hadn't had before. Just uh, recently, I was helping my neighbor. His, his pipes had frozen back in December, and he was without water for three weeks. And his house was an absolute wreck. And his grandson lived there. He wasn't taking care of his granddad. And they had no water. The laundry wasn't getting done. The dishes weren't being washed. There was trash everywhere in the house. I come in there to fix the pipes. We got him, I didn't get them fixed that night. I got some of, the, some of the problem fixed. He had some of the pieces I needed there, but then the next morning I had to go to town to get some more parts. Came back and fixed it. And uh, hell, he was so grateful. It's a, long, it's a big story. I won't go into all the detail, but he was so grateful. And, um, and then later on I brought him a meal, some fresh bread that my wife had made and brought him some soup and a plate. Oh, he was so appreciative. And he kept telling me when I fixed his pipes and I brought the meal, how much to owe you for this? How much to owe you for this? So you don't owe me a dime. So Jesus Christ has given us salvation free, and I want to do this as a gift to you. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when we start serving people that way, whether it be a church brother or sister, whether it be someone in the community, we find ourselves fulfilling the purpose that God has us here for. And we're building up our communities. We're building up the church of Jesus Christ. We're not looking at our own things, but the things of others. It's not about building my own empire here in this world. It's about serving God, fulfilling His purposes, and building up the church of Jesus Christ. And we're glorifying His name thereby. And it's beautiful. It brings purpose. We go there a few days later. And uh, we go there to sing for him on Sunday afternoon as an outreach effort. I come in and knock on his door. I didn't hear anything. I knocked again. Jack, are you in there? Nothing. I heard, I thought it's like I heard a noise, a ta- like a TV or a radio playing. Knocked again. Jack, are you in there? No response. Turn the doorknob a little bit. Push the door open. It's unlocked. Look inside the living room. He was sitting over there on his couch. He wasn't there. So I walk on in. I've been there, you know, three, three or four times now, so I knew him personally. I wasn't worried about him shooting me or anything. So I walk on inside the house, and I glance over in his bedroom, and there he's laying in his bed. Just, he looked dead. I mean, absolutely dead. I was like, whoa. Jack, are you okay? Oh, I've been sick. I was like, oh, my. Who's taking care of you in here? Nobody, I guess. I just couldn't believe it. There was like objects on the like lumps on the floor. I couldn't tell if it was fecal matter, if it was chewing tobacco wads. No sheet on the bed, no pillowcase. Just couldn't believe it. House is cold. It's been cold in here. Could you guys get my fire going for me? We'll get your fire going, Jackie. No worries. We ministered to him there. It blessed him so much. We leave, the, we leave the house. It was quite the experience for all of us. My group was in shock. I mean, it was like a cultural experience coming in that place. Mice, fecal matter, stained jeans between the legs. You get the picture. Ministering life to those who are in need. Ministering life, that's what God called us to do. Are we doing that? In our churches, there's people among us, brothers, that are hurting deep in their hearts. I know it. I know you all. There's people who got a root of bitterness in your heart. 
You can't forgive. There's ministry here that are struggling to find their place again. How to lead the church of Jesus Christ. What are we doing individually and corporately to build up the body of Christ? We can put the blame on others and say, well, if the ministry just got their act together, if the brotherhood just got their act together, then maybe the church would be revived again. But what are you doing, my brother and my sister, to do your part in the building of the church of Jesus? Or will you just let her go down the road, the road to destruction? Is there a brother in your church that has financial difficulty that needs help? Are you taking time out of your week when you're blessed more than he is financially to go and help him with a project? That ministers life to the church of Jesus Christ. Or is it all about you and your agenda, your purposes and goals in life? God help us. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought of not robbery. Christ had an exalted position. We know it. We know it so well. We understand those things. He was in heaven with the Father. Everything was perfect, but he came down. He didn't come to live among the rich on this earth. He came to live among the poorest of the poor. He was born in the stable. He suffered. He went through great difficulty and trial. He was persecuted. He did it all for our sake. What are we doing, my brothers and sisters, for those around us? The minister of life as Jesus did. He has a glorious position in heaven now. Every name is going to bow to Him. Every tongue is going to confess. And God will honor us also on that great day for any sacrifice we made for Him and for others. He will honor us. Eternal life will be our portion. Oh, that we'd all long for those words to hear from Jesus. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Oh, how terrible would it be to hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. But I'm afraid too many in the church of Jesus Christ, because of their self-centeredness, because of their own agenda, their, their carnality, their worldliness, they're going to hear those words. Many, Jesus said, will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, God forbid that there should be any among us would have that experience. I want to talk a little bit, just here in closing, about... Submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God. What does that mean? Does that even apply to us these days? I mean, we hear of abusive authority and how church leaders, you know, command our, the, the churches after them, and they they're not considerate and all these things. But the Bible talks about how we should submit one to another in the fear of God. To obey them, they have the rule over us, for they watch for our souls. I'm challenged by that. It's not easy. I'm telling you, for us young people, it's not easy to have someone speak in our lives and say, "Brother, I, I see a need in your life, and I'd like for you to work on this." Too many of us are so, so thin-skinned that we can't even take an instruction anymore. We literally just like get offended and don't want to talk to our ministry anymore. Don't want to talk to our brother that has this concern. How can that be? The Bible calls us to exhort each other daily, what it's called today, lest any be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. It talks about a root of bitterness springing up and troubling many, and thereby many be defiled. When is the last time that you made a purposeful decision to submit yourself? Whether it be to an older brother's concern or any brother's concern, it was a legitimate concern. Your heart resonated with the truth of that concern. It's like, yeah, I see what you're saying. When have you made a practical change in your life and learned how to submit and walk in humility with your brother? I challenge you with that. Can we even open ourselves up to receive instruction? Are we so afraid of abusive authority that we just close our heart to any instruction? And meanwhile, the church goes down the road of carnality, goes down the road of carnality and worldliness, and we lose our way. 
when have you last opened your heart up and said, speak into my life. I want to hear what you have to say. And it's for, the, it's for the good of your own soul. It's for the good of the church of Jesus Christ. When you make those changes, it's for the good of everyone. And when you make that decision to honor that concern, you're simply building up the body of Christ. You're being an example to the young people and all those around you what it means to follow God in truth. Carnality, worldliness has just taken the church wholesale. It's just sad. But there's a, there's a problem deeper than that. It's not just the carnality. There's a deeper issue in our hearts that calls a problem. It's, just, it's a lack of humility. It's a lack of openness and transparency to let others speak into our lives. We want to go our own way, but that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. He knows that when we submit ourselves and we're under authority and finding the blessing of God in our lives, that we're in a safe place under God's umbrella, the thing that he provided for us to keep us from deception and losing our way. And as soon as we're out from underneath that, we're vulnerable for the enemy. And what if Satan already has you starting down that road and you're already to such a point that you're almost at the point of like no return? It's gone. It happens for so many people. They get to the point where there's no, point, no return. They go, they make that choice. Every day they're making little choices that lead them to a destiny. Don't you value your soul? Where's the value for the church of Jesus Christ, the authority that God has placed in our lives? Don't you value your own soul? Don't you see that Satan and all his hosts and the temptation and the deception that's all surrounding you will take you down that road? So many never return to take hold of the path of life again. I love you all. I care about you very much. And I, I share this out of the good humility and brokenness. It's hard for me to share this. I'd rather just come here and just, just talk about faith and God's goodness and mercy. It'd be so easy for me. To, I, that's, that's kind of how naturally I am. I'm not really... I like everybody to be my friend, you know? I like everybody to just, like, accept me, right? Just like most of you do, probably. But who will stand up? Who will stand up? Look at the churches. Look at the many churches that we used to be part of. Gone. And I fear that some of us will be in that place in 10 or 15 years. Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. The second verse, third verse, talks about the church for you doth wait. Her strength and equal to her task. Rise up and make her great. Young people, rise up. We need godly people in this generation to stand and hold a standard in our generation. Will you stand and hold a standard? Or will you depart with the world and be forever lost? Will you rise up and be... Leaders in your homes, in your family. I, I just encourage you parents to rise up in your families. We're talking as we came home from the conference. There's some among us that said, I, yeah, I need to, yeah, my son, I need, to, I need to somehow connect with him more. It's just not very good. It's just, parents, connect with your children. Don't let them be influenced by the carnality of our day and just take them wholesale. Too many parents are in a place now they wish they could go back and do the past five, ten years over again, but it's too late. It's too late. Your church greatly impacts, I mean, your family greatly impacts the church. If we can't have godly families, we will not have a godly church. If our families are losing their way, the church will apostatize. It happens again and again, we see it. Churches are made up of families. If families are not doing well, neither will the church. Rise up, young man, rise up. I give you the challenge. Great honors and rewards 
or an eternal life for every one of you that will rise up and hold the standard and fight the enemy and, and, and rally your comrades. Imagine yourself in the trenches, rallying your comrades. Let's go for the enemy. We are promised the victory. We are promised the victory. Eternal life is ours. And rally up your comrades. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of holding a standard in our generation. So many people are ashamed. They have no stand-up muscles. As soon as a little bit of mockery, ridicule is there, they just can't stand anymore. They just fall. They, they just start regressing. Stand up and hold a standard. And be unashamed of the convictions you hold. God help us. I have to continue to, uh, to uh, find courage and motivation on that too. To stand up and hold a standard. Oh, but God is looking. He's looking for someone that will stand on the gap and make up the hedge. So many people just back off, retreat, retreat. It's too scary. Just back off. It's too much. The persecution, the opposition, the friends don't accept them anymore. I'll be an oddball. You know, it's like I'll be an oddball if I do that. They just want to back off. But rise up and hold the standard. <clears throat> let this mind be in you. My message is kind of scattered, I realize. I'm sorry. But let, let's have the mind of Christ. Let's be unashamed to stand for truth as he was. He had so many that opposed him. He was always going about serving others, ministering life, forgiving. Ah, oh, on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. If we can't forgive our brother, if we can't forgive our brother or sister that spoke against us and we hold resentment in our heart to him, God will not forgive us either. We're literally taking a stamp and signing our death sentence upon our own soul by saying, I will not forgive. That's serious, brothers and sisters. If we can't forgive, it's like getting a stamp and saying, I sign my own death sentence. I choose to be lost eternally. I choose to be lost eternally because I can't forgive. Think about that. And there's nothing in this world that people can do against us. It's greater than what God has forgiven us for. Forgive. Choose to forgive. Your own soul's at stake. How can you live at peace in your heart if you can't forgive your brother? How can you go to sleep at night knowing your soul is at stake if you can't forgive? I know many of you are hurting out here. You've been disillusioned by church experience. You're confused. Forgive. Put those things behind you. Rise up. Catch a vision and serve the Lord. Exhort each other. I encourage you to exhort each other in a very kind way. But before that, I want to say this. Look for ways to affirm each other. Look for ways to affirm each other. Don't ever just come and just constantly exhort, exhort. That's, that's not how we should live as Christians. We should look for the good. Hey, brother, I appreciate how you're just honoring your parents there. It's tremendous. Keep it up. I appreciate how you're involved in church ministry. I appreciate how you, when you share the word, you give your best. It's tremendous. Keep it up. It's great. Affirm the good more than you criticize. Or it shouldn't be critical. More than you exhort, can I say. And the church will be benefited by that. Rise up, O man of God, have done with us for things. Serve, let the mind of Christ be in you. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also in the things of others. Walk in humility. Walk in brokenness before your brothers. Serve. Lay down your life for them. And you find fulfillment in your life you never had. You find joy. You find your heart blending with the church like you never experienced before. That's what we need. What if Satan is so effectively just dividing us and throwing us off side to side and there's hurts and offenses and there's misunderstandings and there's all these things that hinder us and then we're fighting among ourselves and not fighting against the enemy of our soul? I think it happens too often. May God help us. I'll bring this thing to a close. I was thinking of those, um, I was thinking of that verse there. I won't turn to it. I should probably, but 
Second Chronicles chapter 8, where it says, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. We need healing, brothers and sisters. We need healing and restitution in the church of Jesus Christ. We need God to work and intervene on our behalf. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. We're not living in great, uh, great wickedness here, I don't believe. And, and I, I say this in all brokenness and humility. I'm not here to criticize or condemn any of you. But if we will humble ourselves and seek God's face and pray, then God will hear from heaven and will forgive our sins and heal our land. That's a beautiful promise. It's for you and for me. It's for the church of Jesus Christ. He will heal us. He will he'll restore us to good relationships. He'll build up the body of Christ. He'll make us a light in this dark and, die, uh, dark and dying world. What are you doing to build up the body of Christ? Let's turn our Bibles yet to Hebrews chapter 6. And I'll close. Here we see in the first few verses how Paul is talking, or whoever writes the book of Hebrews is talking about how it's impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and may be partakers of the divine nature, the Holy Ghost, and all that. And he comes on and, uh, and he talks about here how he's persuaded better things. And that's my testimony. That's my heart for all. I'm persuaded better things of you. He says uh, here, verse 8, But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected as nigh to cursing, whose end is to be burned. Verse 9, But... Beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. Amen. We are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is the unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shewed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and to minister. And we desire that every one of you to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Amen. I say amen to that. I'm persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. And God is the unrighteous to forget your work. He will, he will bring everything, uh, he will bless every effort that you make for his kingdom. I want to say that I'm blessed by so many things that are out here. God bless you for the things you are doing right. I, I'm blessed. You are still holding it, hanging in there and, and pressing on. And keep it up. And keep it up. God will not forget your work and labor of love that you shoot toward his name. So find courage. And then in Hebrews chapter, let's turn over there real quick to Hebrews chapter um, 12, I think it is. I said one more scripture. I didn't keep my word there, but it'll be real quick here. <clears throat> It says now, it talks about chastening. Maybe God has taken us through some of these hard things. Maybe it's His chastening, maybe not. Maybe it's our own weakness and our own carnality and our own uh, lack of having the mind of Christ. That might be what it is. But if it is chastening, let's let God chasten us in the way that He desires. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth a peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Look in the next verse. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down to the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Let it rather be healed. So lift up the hands which hang down to the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. That's what God's calls us to do, even though we're facing difficulty in our lives. And it feels like maybe it's just not even worth it going on. Church life is just a miserable experience. Let's just forget it. No, no. God has called us to be part of His church, and it's the thing that He's coming back for, His bride that is to be without spot and blameless. And let's lift up the hands which hang down to the feeble knees and make straight paths for our feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. We can't afford any soul to be lost. We don't want any of our family to go down that road to destruction. We all all desire that everyone, every soul here today could stand right before God someday. 
Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Are you doing that for your ministry team, the brotherhood? Are you lifting up those hands that hang down? The discouragement just seems to envelop all of our hearts. Lift up the hands which hang down and strengthen the feeble knees. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Praise God. We can do that today. Let's catch a fresh vision for God's kingdom. And let's serve in any capacity God calls us to. Let's not look at our own things, but the things of others. Let's have the mind of Christ who came from the glorious position of heaven down to earth and gave His life in an amazing way. Are we doing the same thing for our brother and sister? Are we doing the same thing for our community? Let's do it. And God will bless it. Eternal life is ours. We're fighting against a common enemy and we're striving for eternal life. And let's join arms and hands as a church of Jesus Christ and be more than conquerors to Him. We are promised the victory. Eternal life is ours. And it's shorter than you might think before we're there on that great day. Oh, that no soul be lost. Oh, we could all stand before Christ redeemed. And hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful sir. I love you all. God bless you. All your churches, you visitors here, good to see your faces today. I hope nothing that I said today was critical. I love you, and I just desire we could all be more useful for God, more humble and broken. God, give us brokenness, humility. I need it more in my own life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Oh, Lord, I pray anything that I said amiss, I just pray you take it from the, hear, uh, the ears of the hearers. Lord, Lord, if anything that I said was of truth, I pray that you would just work it upon the heart of each one of us. Lord, we, we need brokenness. We need humility. We need the mind of Christ. God, give it to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we're needy people. We're all, God, beseeching you, Lord, that you would work in our lives, in our hearts, to make us more like Jesus. Help us to love. Help us to forgive. Extend grace. And let, them, let love cover the multitude of sins, Father. Help us to have the mind of Christ in everything. Bless each soul here, the churches they represent, Lord. I pray your church could be established and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. You're so good. We worship you, Jesus, your King of kings and Lord of lords. We look forward to the day we can be with you forever in your kingdom. Help us to be faithful in our generation and serve you with all our hearts. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless.